Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Hey, I'm, I was talking uh, to you before we started about um, a, a coaching session that we did this week. We were in a joint coaching session, and I really wanted to talk about this line that you used in the coaching session that really stuck with me as a great hook. And I, as I, if I remember correctly, you, you were advising the person to choose grief over guilt. Mm-hmm. And I think I've I've probably shared that line with you know three people since <laughs> we just oh, you just great. mentioned it on Wednesday. So um, can you tell me a bit like where did you get this? Uh, I would love to hear it because um, it's one of those places where I think you and I have ended up at a very similar place, but from parallel paths. You know, we 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 didn't come at this really uh, um, together, but we, we we find ourselves at the same spot. So how how did you come up with this? Indeed. Well, uh, so there's a very personal reason, and then there's the reason that we used in this coaching experience, and, and that is that I often see that there's not much you can do when you feel guilty about something. So a software team might feel guilty that they missed their deadline, that they didn't complete all their tasks in the sprint, that they released a bug. Um, and the thing that's always challenging for me is they say, what should we do about this? And I say, well, the first thing we need is a time machine. <laughs> and, and of course, the problem is that mine is broken, and, and I'd be so rich as a consultant. I'd be so valuable to the world if I just could get my time machine fixed, but it's been in the shop, so, so I can't do anything with that. And, and so the kind of guilt that either they feel themselves or they feel is being imposed on them by someone else or um, that comes from any source at all isn't something you can do anything about. And if you're guilty for a long time, if your team feels guilty and, and, and incompetent and, and underskilled and so on, but can't do anything about it, that really saps at your team's morale. And this isn't true only of software teams. This is true of lots of different groups of people. And I find it in my personal life. Uh, for example, I was 20 minutes late for us to record this. And I and previously, before a certain experience I'm going to describe, uh, would have felt quite guilty about that. It was said, oh man, I let Jeffrey down, I was late for him, and you know, boy, I'm, I'm not doing a good job. But I couldn't do anything about it. My time machine is broken. <laughs> so I <laughs> can't go back in time and be on time. So um, after I read a particular book, and I, I can't tie the book specifically to this insight, I just got the insight during reading the book. So your, your mileage may vary. Uh, but a, a book uh, called uh, The Courage to Be Disliked, uh, is a fascinating uh, uh, journey through something called Adlerian psychology uh, by some Japanese folks uh, who who explore it and through a, a dialogue, so it's quite an easy read. And I got a lot of insights from that, including um, this kind of idea of separation of tasks, that it's really not my task to help Jeffrey feel better about uh, me being on time. It's his task to tell me that he's upset or not. But I think in this case, you weren't too upset. So... Um, that's an idea that then somehow led me to this uh, kind of insight for myself, which I've now begun sharing with coaching clients, that if you if your time machine is broken, if you have a time machine, please get in touch. We, we really think we could use it. <laughs> but if your time machine is broken, then guilt isn't going to help you very much. And in fact, it's probably going to sap your strength. So it would be good if you could try to feel sad about it and, uh, in fact, do something about it. That would be the, the best way to use your sadness. And then, after you feel sad for a while, you're likely not to feel sad. That's kind of what the good thing is about sadness. Right. And, and this, uh, there's so much in this that I really like. Um, the thing that comes to mind is, it was hearing you describe it, I'm reminded of uh, the Feeling Good podcast with uh, Dr. David Burns, and he would talk about 
cognitive distortions. Um, so he's one of the founders of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And he would say, you know, the, our emotions arise from our thoughts. And so when our, our, uh, when we have these very negative emotions, uh, it's because we, we have distorted thoughts that lead to them. And yeah, I, like a distorted thought would be something like, we're a bad team because we never deliver, or I'm an incompetent podcast host because I'm not on time. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And he has a whole list of them. The one that stood out to me that was, was um, should statements, you know, which is, which I think he'd be like, you should be on time. And you should get your sprint tasks done. Exactly. That's right. And, and, he, and he uses a phrase, which is um, how people make themselves unhappy by shooting all over themselves. <laughs> mm. Yep, that's a good one. <laughs> and so that was that. That's what, what came up for me was you're describing that is that kind of, oh, yeah, this, this is that should statement. It also seemed to me a bit like um, the uh, from sort of Buddhism and the idea that suffering comes from attachment and um, essentially that, that being guilty is being attached to the way things you would have preferred things to be and uh, as opposed to accepting things as they are and and that sadness is that is that sort of element of saying yeah i would have preferred to have been on time or i would have preferred that we got our all of our sprint items done or preferred you know whatever it might be um and and here we are and so i can only do things going forward so this is a great get-out clause, right? It means that I, I don't have to worry about anything. I can just tell the people in my uh, in my business, yeah, sorry, well, we sometimes don't get things done. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit sad about it. I, I don't think that's what we mean. No, no, not at all. I think because actually what, what, I, what I have in mind is that this is a path to taking more responsibility rather than less. Um, that we, I think because it goes back to something you were saying, which is being uh, feeling very guilty can lead to people actually feeling very stuck. Um, because they, they're spending emotional energy on something they can't change, as opposed to looking to say, well, what can we do from here? And, and that sort of that, the fact that there was a, a violation of what should have happened prevents them from doing something more productive. And that's, that's to me that what was really behind um, my excitement about, about hearing this as a way to communicate uh, and help people get to a more constructive frame. And I'm interested in how you perceive it, because I was giving the advice, we were doing our joint coaching thing we do, and, and I was giving the advice about how this person might use this um, uh, uh, notion of, of choosing grief over guilt in his situation. Uh, I'm curious about how you saw that and, and uh, your perception of it. Right. Well, so it, it was, um, as I mentioned in the in the session, I, I had been at this uh, interesting meetup on uh, Monday, which was the Wisdom at Work meetup, and they had been... Uh, going through a particular system of, of coaching. And one of the uh, elements that the person leading the session shared was a clip from the Disney movie um, uh, Inside Out. And Inside Out is this uh, movie where you take this perspective of this girl and inside she has essentially personification of the different emotions. And there's an element where uh, there's something happens and uh, the two parts of her that are, are interacting are sadness and joy. And joy is, is kind of saying, well, come on, let's go on, let's move on, let's, let's go do things. And, uh, but sadness goes and comforts uh, this other person and you know, helps them acknowledge that they're sad. And it's that uh, being able to process being sad that allows the person to then move on. And, and I thought that fit really well with the scenario we were 
uh, talking with the, with that with that person, and it fit very well this idea of choosing grief over guilt. So rather than and and I would say, and more generally, grief over should. I, I think you know rather than saying oh that shouldn't have happened, you know, I, and being stuck about what happened that you'd rather not have happened, you can say be oh yeah I'm, I'm going to be sad about that, and then having acknowledged that and and actually felt that, then we can move on to to being what something to be more productive. And in this very concrete case, what we advised was this this team had, it wasn't not meeting sprint goals, but another thing hadn't worked out for them. It doesn't really matter what it is. And our advice was not uh, to do the joy thing, not to come in and say, <laughs> okay, great team. Well, you know, we had something bad. That's unfortunate. Well, all right, move on. Yeah. Uh, and, and our advice was instead to listen very carefully to the team's quite justifiable sadness, probably anger, um, uh, many other frustration, many other feelings, and to listen to those and kind of drain them out, which is what happens in the video. We'll, we'll link to that video because it's, it's quite a good encapsulation of this idea. Sadness listens to another person who's feeling sad and kind of drains out that sadness. The person sniffles and cries and feels sad for a bit and then says, okay, and then is able to act. And, and our advice to this person was, um, let your team grieve a bit. Let them feel sad about the thing that didn't work and maybe angry and maybe something else. Only after that will they be ready to move on and tackle that same problem again in a new way. That's right. And I, and I think this, especially this is very useful for leaders who are often have the idea that their role constantly is to boost people up. And I think that's how this is even presented to us. You know, how do I, how do I get people back in the game? And, and and it was such a great match to the to the clip was sort of like, you know, it, the natural thing would be like, all right, well, don't worry, that didn't work out, but we have this great opportunity, you know, let's go make the most of it. Uh, and that kind of pep talk approach, uh, you know, at least uh, among Americans, <laughs> stereotypically, I think would be a natural way for a lot of people to go and to, to go and say, you know, actually help people have people uh, um, acknowledge their feelings to go ahead and, and actually for you to acknowledge their feelings to show to demonstrate that you're actually listening and that what they're feeling and communicating is okay is a really important part i think of a you know healthy relationships on on healthy teams one of the things that was also interesting to to me about this is that this came up this week, but I had a very similar sort of conversation in a way, similar to me at least, but with an individual last week. And I, and I thought it would be worthwhile to try to look at the similarities and differences. Yeah. Well, how did that come up? So it wasn't someone who had a team who was feeling guilty and you were advising grief. It was an individual who was feeling that, if I understood it right. Yeah, that's right. Although I'd say, you know, he was, he was describing his t case as typical. Um, and it was that, you know, his view, and I think the view of some other people's was something happened that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> um, uh, they were uh, being asked to uh, do a lot of rushed work for a uh, demo that was internal. And the feeling was, well, look, this is an artificial deadline and we shouldn't be pushed on things like this for artificial deadlines. We should be working towards our quarterly objectives. If, if our, if our system of prioritization is working correctly, then, you know, we should be, you know, on track by, by doing what we said we were going to do for the quarter. Why is there this fire drill approach of trying to rush things together? And I, and to me, the similarity was, was this sort of sense of, of, um, 
you know, the guilt is there, but it's not guilt for themselves, but guilt for others. Other people are guilty <laughs> of, of violating, you know, what he saw as the way things should happen. And, and what did you counsel him to do? Well, I think, I, I think part of it here was this, uh, I didn't use the word grief, but I, I said, you know, I, what I, what I hear you saying is you would have preferred to, to, to go, to have this be different. Is that right? And, and kind of sort of talk through that where he, where the, part he was upset with came from and then and then having discussed that could we then kind of turn towards uh curiosity well why is it you think that they're doing this what what's the motivation and i think this is easy to skip over because i just want to emphasize and underline it here uh, so listen carefully when jeffrey says that because the crucial thing is uh, uh he couldn't have been curious that curiosity wasn't possible until he was able to drain off some of that um, sadness, in this case, perhaps anger or frustration. Exactly. You're, you're just not in a mindset to be curious at that point. That's right. And that, and to me, that's the, 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 what links these together is this idea of, and what I experience is people being stuck uh, because, you know, what happened shouldn't have happened. And, um, and, and they're focused on, the way they, you know, they, the the way things should have been, that sort of attachment to where they wish things should have gone, uh, without uh, being able to um, just move it from the the level of, you know, I really wish it was this way instead. To yeah, you know what, I, I have a preference, and, and and the fact my preference wasn't followed makes me sad. I'm sad that we didn't do this. I think it would have been better, and that being able to go and put it into that uh, uh, frame of mind helps them move on to, to something more productive. I'm reminded a bit, actually, of our podcast of a few weeks ago where we talked about banning the word need. Mm, right. Um, you know, that sort of idea of like, oh, I need this uh, helps, you know, it helps people be stuck. And I, I think that's very similar to the should. It's a statement of, you know, how they think the world should be rather than accepting the world as it is. And as I'm sure we've mentioned before, you know, the, the, my view is that suffering comes from arguing with reality. <laughs> so this is all about trying to get to the point of accepting reality. Uh, and then uh, having done Strangely, that. Strangely, reality always seems to win when I do that. <laughs> well, you can deny it for a very long time, but I don't see things that very productive come out of it. <laughs> Getting a productive mindset seems to always, always uh, start from accepting reality and then saying, well, what can we can do? And I think that's really the message I have for people. If they feel find themselves stuck uh, because of what should have happened, uh, or what what is happening shouldn't be the way it is. You know, they they something else should be happening. Then um, making this kind of change of frame. You know, is it possible to move to uh, um, to choose? You know, grief over guilt. You know, and if and in that and that guilt could be either for yourself or others. So rather than being feeling guilty about oh I I shouldn't have been late or I should have got this done in time, or feeling the other people are guilty. You know, they shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of them. Then you can go to, you know, I'm, they did that thing and I'm sad they did it and, you know, uh, uh, try to get, uh, um, acknowledge that and then get to the point of more productive thoughts. There you go. And uh, so then moving it to the concrete for a specific, for say an agile team, our example we've been using throughout is if your agile team misses some goal or deadline or doesn't get its sprint done, then the, the um, thing to do is neither to um, try to make them feel guilty about that 
because they can't do anything with the guilt, nor to feel guilty yourself or to, to encourage that uh, thinking, but to listen to the sadness, um, encourage sadness, because they should feel sad about that. It would be good for them to feel sad about. Sadness would be a normal reaction. Uh, but then to drain the sadness and then to uh, move on to concrete actions that can help them, say, hit their target next time. I should add one caveat, by the way. I don't mean to say, when I tell people to choose grief over guilt, that guilt is never useful. It would be useful to feel guilty if, for example, you put passwords in your um, uh, software uh, in the clear and allowed hackers to get hold of people's passwords. You should you, That's probably good to feel guilty about that, because that would be a fairly major violation of your user's privacy. And you can think of lots of other examples where there's a moral component. And I think guilt then is useful because it's uh, it's our conscience really telling us that we've done something that is morally dubious. That I think is helpful. The problem is we we overapply this and we use it in cases where really we haven't done something morally wrong. We've done something as darn unfortunate. Our time machine is broken, and it would be useful to do something about it after we finish feeling sad. That's right. I I really like that summary, and um, I'll be curious to hear from from our listeners what they think about this. Does the the concept of of grief over guilt seem to apply from them, or or is guilt the wrong word? Is it just you know is is that is that not where they feel stuck, um, or or would they agree with you and say no no guilt is great? That's that's how we get stuff done. <laughs> Excellent. I've certainly worked under um, uh, leaders who had that philosophy. Mm. I didn't stay too long. Right. <laughs> so if you disagree with us or agree with us, we'd love to hear from you. The place to go is uh, agileconversations.com. There you'll find free videos and material from us and lots of ways to get in touch on Twitter and email and you name, you name it, you can find us. And, of course, we'll also be back here next Wednesday with another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.